Elle est belle et son prénom c'est... Bonnie. Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosofsky. I'm here with my favorite and one and only co-host, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? Uh, not too bad. I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about the inaugural Toronto True Crime Film Festival. It's happening on June the 8th and June the 9th at the Royal Cinema. And we're very excited also because we have two guests from the, uh, the film festival, Lisa Gallagher and Elizabeth Monroe. So let's start off. This is a very compact but very focused film festival, which is a wonderful thing. As many people will find out, it's got five film screenings and three symposium events. So actually, that's quite a variety within two days. So let's start with, uh, you know, how you guys came together with the idea for the festival. So what came first, the idea, the films? Uh, definitely the idea first. Um, it kind of just came from, uh, like, when I go to film festivals, the first thing I look for is the true crime stuff. So whether it's hot docs or, like, a horror film festival or anything like that, that's what I'm drawn to. Um, and just while discussing that one day, I kind of said, like, is anyone doing a true crime festival? And that's that was it. <laughs> it was just that, that simple sentence, and then now it's happening. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much. Lisa asked me if I wanted to be involved, and I've always been a lover of true crime, so it was an easy, easy yes. Okay. And where did this fascination with true crime begin? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I just always remember watching things as a kid that my mom was disturbed by. I don't even know if it was always just true crime, but it was. I, I had a fascination with, like, uh, like, you know, shows where you see, like, operations and stuff. Like, I was just, like, a weird kid. And I remember, like, reading a lot of true crime books in the library. And I watched a lot of Law & Order. Same. Criminal Intent specifically. Mm -mm, SVU for me. <laughs> uh, and it's just kind of grown from there. And, I mean, because of its popularity now, it's super accessible. And there's more content to take in than you can even get to it's everywhere at this point podcast books movies documentaries it's literally everywhere now i you know i was joking around with elizabeth you weren't part of this lisa but <laughs> i was joking around that when i was researching the festival and i looked at the the uh programmers the the people that were founding the founding members of behind the festival i noticed that a lot of people had been programming in prairie province uh, festivals and venues and things like that and it's it started to to you know like i said this is all in the best spirit it started to make me wonder is there something in the prairie provinces in the landscape or something like it makes you it's like you know winnipeg they say every you know great films come out of winnipeg because it's so really cold out there so everybody just huddles and watches movies together so what's the deal in you know alberta saskatchewan <laughs> Um, it, it's honestly uh, unrelated unless someone hasn't been telling me something. But, um, yeah, two of us program for uh, Saskatoon Fantastic Festival, which is um, the like, – we've never actually even been. <laughs> it's uh, the festival director is a good friend of ours. Or not – I mean, he's a good friend now, but we met because we were all programmers, and he was like, I like what you guys are into, and, and he invited us on t as programmers for his festival. As with your experience as a programmer, for you, you know, you're the festival director. As with your programming mm -hmm. as well, w was your previous experiences um, help you, or did it make this job even harder? Because you have a compact number of films, features, and shorts, and 
I don't know how you guys selected them. The, the ones that I saw were, were great, but I like what was the debate in terms of how you chose the films, how you picked them? Did you have to go seeking them out, or did they kind of fall in your lap? Um, we took submissions uh, on Film Freeway, and we also sought out films that we thought would, um, at least in concept, be good for our film festival. And then, uh, so we watched all of those, whether it be submissions or um, ones that we sought out, and yeah, just just pared it down from there. Um, it wasn't honestly too many arguments or anything with it. Mm-hmm. We all kind of liked the same stuff, uh, and. I'm not going to lie, it just kind of fell into place. Like, the, all our top picks were so different and so um, interesting that it it wasn't... There wasn't really a problem where we thought, like, oh, we have too much of this kind of movie or too much of this. Like, it just kind of worked out for us, which is really awesome. Yeah, it all just kind of came together. Like, no one really had much of an issue. Um, and, I mean, we all also come from, like, the idea of wanting to kind of be activists for victims and things like that. So we wanted to make sure that the films that we were showing and the symposium events and everything that we were doing were going to be respectful of the people who are surviving from these traumatic events. And a quick question about the symposiums. It's a very diverse selection. And one of the ones that caught my eye was um, the one about why women are big fans of the true crime genre. Until I read that in the little synopsis, it didn't really register that there was such a huge following. And then I would start thinking, well, my wife's a, a big fan of true crime, and a lot of the women that I know are big in true crime. So when you were guys were thinking of the symposiums and different topics, you know, was that something that was initially part of your mandate, that, all right, we want to get representation in with these symposiums, or was it just more the, the stories and ideas that kind of piqued your interest? Um, I mean, in general, representation was something that we kept in mind throughout everything, but um, the symposiums were something that was kind of in the back of my mind as maybe something to do in the future. And then one of the programmers, uh, Kayla Janice, she took on the symposiums herself, and the topics were all her. Um, all of the, the speakers that we have were all her. So that was all her creation from her mind. Um, but I think it's just an interesting topic about why women love true crime so much because it's it's super obvious as soon as you think about it you're like oh everyone I know who likes true crime is a woman and it seems so it just seems so obvious of something that that we would talk about just because most of the team is women too yeah like we have like two two men on two our team <laughs> <laughs> so I mean it's yeah it's a personal interest for me anyway yeah, I mean, it's a personal interest for me as well. I've always been into true crime. But I think that, like, for the reason why women do love true crime, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're raised to be wary of and be careful um, because we're more likely to be victims of crime, especially violent crime. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it is interesting. I was wondering about the collective, the makeup of the collective. It seemed like this was one of, like, a group of people that was full of fierce women. This is, like, that. My that's my thing. If I had a hashtag that followed me around, <laughs> it would be fierce women. I love fierce women, right? And you guys, like, you just seem like, and what you're saying about your backgrounds and how you grew up watching this stuff, you know, and I, I used to feel like a freak, but now hearing your stories, it's like, yeah, me too. Like, yeah. I was obsessed with Law & Order. It's so great that we can be a community now because I feel we mm-hmm. all grew up in that same 
that same space where we all liked it, but it was kind of sensationalist and tabloidy, and, and it seemed gross to admit that you were into mm-hmm. it. And now it's become a thing that we can all be into, and it can be, you know, it can be analyzed and it can be academic. It doesn't have to be sensationalist and, and like, it doesn't have to seem gross. Yeah, and it, it can actually also be not just a source of pride, like, yeah, this is me, but it, it can also be something that, you know what, this is fun. It's fun to get together and talk about yeah. some of these films. I'm not saying that all the films are fun. I'm just saying the topics um, and the, the, because there's such a variety in the, in the festival that celebrating, um, just enjoying this kind of filmmaking it can be fun. Especially if you're in the Monarch talking or, you know, listening to a symposium, which, yeah, I should mention, the symposium events are in the Monarch Tavern. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is the best place for a symposium. It really is. It's like, it's a nice space that feels really intimate and, you know, but it's big enough that you can still fit quite a few people. So it works out really well, I Mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. Okay, just to switch topics a little bit within this context, I noticed uh, that we we saw, like, three films, basically, um, and... Across those three films, one thing was in common. They're they're quite different, and I love the variety and the, the different styles and 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 all that, which I could go on forever, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> but the one thing I noticed was everything's quite self-reflexive in terms of its filmmaking. Very self-aware, you know, that we're making a film. Especially my name is Maisha. It's it's very. Uh, aware of how it's constructing the story and uh, because it's it's mixing musical and you know real life events and then you've got a film like The Stranger where they just say you know we're reenacting this we're going to do this and this is how you know so I'm just wondering uh, what you think about the sort of why there would be such a tendency for self-reflexivity in this particular style of filmmaking um, I think a lot of filmmakers who who are making true crime content kind of have the mindset that we do, or at least I I think that those are the ones that make better content, are people who are being respectful that there are victims. And you're making entertainment based on a situation where there's a victim. And that's incredibly sad, and you have to be respectful of the fact that there are victims. Like, And that... Uh, the the reason behind all of the films we chose being that kind of self-reflective thing, that is something we looked for. So, uh, like, for example, we did have submissions where um, they did, you know, reenactments that were just a little too, like, too, it, like, uh, like gore-happy. Yeah. And it was just like, this is disrespectful. It was like they, they were, like, catering to, like, oh, an audience would love this and playing up things that you don't need to play up. Like, these scenarios are already terrifying to think of, like, happening in, in real life. You don't need to make it extra. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, like abducted in plain sight. I mean, what a nightmare. You know, uh, it's, it's basically a story about a family who befriends another family and um, how one of the, the men from the other family, he becomes obsessed with a 12-year-old child, a, a girl, and a bizarre story behind that. And then I think the brilliance of the film comes in the fact that not just the self-reflexivity, but when it it starts to reenact and it starts to use the old talking heads, old footage, old pictures. And then you start realizing those that's old footage is, is reshot now. So it sort of it allows everyone a voice at some point. It switches to the voice of the victim and 
it's just amazing things happen in that film. I don't know if you guys want to talk about it further. Yeah, the the other thing I love about that film is that they really got everyone involved to give their story, and everyone's story is so open. Like, the, everyone in that story, you're like, wow, if that were me, I would never tell anyone this. I would just hide in a hole forever. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's, it's remarkable how much strength they all had to come forward and tell that story and get that film made. And I think it really helps to get you in the headspace of, like, even the parents that were going through this. Like, you can't imagine anything like that happening to your 12-year-old daughter, but some of the choices that they made while these things were going on, it, it makes you think, like, how could you do that? And then later on, you're like, actually, now I kind of understand. It was the time. It was everything to do with it. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was how they how they themselves viewed the world. Mm-hmm. Which is actually going to lead into my next question, because I noticed that, speaking of that same film, and also other true crime dramas, especially the ones that are really popular, be it um, podcast form, serial, or some of the Netflix ones, there's a level of absurdity to the story, or, or to how events unfold. And as you said, over time you look back and you don't think, or you, from our point of view, or like, well, how didn't people see the signs? But do you think that that kind of strangeness and the... the the way how the absurd kind of plays a crucial role into true crime. Do you think that's what draws a lot of people in? It can be. I think in terms of absurdity, you're, you find that a lot more in that kind of like how true crime used to be, where it was very sensationalist and very um, like in your face about it. But I find that I would use the word intriguing more with newer content, I think. Um, yeah, I think it's very uh, intriguing is definitely the right word. I think it's interesting to just think about how you would react in these situations. Like, you you cannot say at all, I would do this differently or I would do that because you don't know until you're in those situations. And I think it kind of points back to why we look at true crime and we're interested in it. It's kind of like a self-preservation. We want to know or at least think about how these things unfold and maybe think about, well, what would I do? Like, would I react in the same way? Like, it all kind of ties together. The other thing with absurdity is that it loans itself very well to conversations. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of absurdity in uh, Abducted in Plain Sight, but it's that kind of absurdity that makes you just go like, what is going on? But you do that every three minutes. <laughs> and yeah. so when everyone leaves the theater, compared to other true crime films where you might leave and just be like, wow, I'm very upset about how the world is, that's one where you're going to leave and you're going to be talking about that the whole night. You still don't feel like you have all the answers because yeah. nothing really makes sense yeah. in the grand scheme of things. It still doesn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Let's end on that note, <laughs> because I think this this festival, the great thing, like I said, from what I've seen and from what, what Courtney has seen, the great thing from talking to you, for, the great thing about the festival is, is the variety and the quality of the films. Like you really packed it in a great amount of um, stuff to talk about, uh, visual styles, like cinematic things going on. Like I could wax poetic uh, just <laughs> breaking down every film, you know, uh, about the, their construction, just they're so masterfully done, a lot of these films, like the ones that I've seen. So uh, in terms of a festival, it, I think this is a bang-on way to start. 
Thank you. you. Know, congratulations, Thank you. both of you, <laughs> and to everyone who's involved in the festival. Uh, this is the first, the very first Toronto True Crime Film Festival. So be there, everyone, for history in the making. You were at the first one. You can say that to your grandchildren. <laughs> so <laughs> it's happening on June 8th and 9th, so there's time. Go to the website, truecrimefilmfestival.com. Toronto, Toronto True Crime, True Crime, True Crime. Festival. Really? I, yes. <laughs> where I, where I, did I get that? I chose I, the longest URL in, she did. in, in history, and oh. I regret it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for correcting. You are not the first one who has shortened it to something else. I, so. don't know, I just don't know how I did that. I, was, I tried so hard to be careful. <laughs> Toronto True Crime Film Festival? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> dot com. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Be there. And, uh, yes, we'll be back in just a sec. Thanks so much to our guests, Lisa Gallagher and Elizabeth Monroe. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Okay. Thanks for coming. Hello, you're back with Frameline on Radio Regent. I'm Barbara Gosofsky, and I'm here with Courtney Small. Still, he's still here, thankfully. And we're just going to talk about a couple of films uh, that are happening at the Inside Out. The Inside Out Festival is still going on and uh, happily, successfully still going on. And it's going to you know, have a strong finish this weekend. It closes on the, the 3rd. Uh, but before it does that, uh, we're gonna ta- I'm going to start the conversation with Octavio is Dead. It's uh, the world premiere and it's a film by Sukyun Lee, the multi-talented, multimedia phenomenon that is Sukyun Lee. And she does not disappoint with this film. It's, uh, it's screening on June 2nd, but, uh, you know, as I always say, go to insideout.ca and then you can get all the details where, when, you know, all that important stuff. So Octavio is Dead is uh, it's really quite a mix, a fascinating mix of different stylistic elements. It's sort of a genre-bending and gender-bending story about a woman who decides to go back to, into her father's past. She has grown up without him. When he passes away, he leaves her everything, including his apartment, uh, which is this dilapidated mysterious place which she goes to explore because she just doesn't know anything about him and doesn't she wants to find some sort of connection and in doing so she unearths quite a lot of interesting and intriguing things that lead her on her own sort of exploration of her own identity and desires so um i'm just looking for this yes so the inside out festival um description has a little blurb that calls it a moody and sexually charged supernatural tale. So that'll t- just give you a little hint about all the elements at play in this in this film and, uh, yeah, how she masterfully handles this. And Sarah Gadden, who is uh, one of the producers, is also in it. She's, uh, she's one, an actor who you'll remember from Alias Grace. Um, so Sarah Gadden is, uh, is the woman, Tyler, who goes goes and on this this journey to rediscover her dad and discovers herself yeah she does Sarah Gunn does a really great job in this film because yeah a, a lot of even though there's a lot of um different genre tropes at play the film really relies on her performance and you wanting to follow her character through this 
journey that kind of goes various places. And I like that through her work, she always made Tyler feel real, even though you're um, Sukin Lee's dealing at times with supernatural elements. Uh, like for, I feel like this film is a supernatural film that doesn't necessarily want to be a traditional supernatural film. That's what I liked about it because it, it, in someone else's hands, this could be over the top. Mm-hmm. The film, the, the the character, everything could be over the top. And I think that it works at least in, you know, when other, I've seen other people sort of try and play around with supernatural and try and put it into those elements into, you know, um, a regular kind of story. I say regular as in there's a, like there's a, the main story is her discovering her her father's past and herself. And the supernatural elements that come into play are done in such a subtle way that it doesn't disrupt or disturb, like I said, by not going over the top, it actually fits in perfectly. You know, I don't usually see that. Usually the supernatural elements end up getting on my nerves because mm-hmm. they're not they're not neatly folded in, you know, and it's not that it's neat. It's like it's just interwoven properly. And see, for me, I, I like the film, but I found that at times the supernatural elements didn't quite work with the comedy. Like there's certain traditional tropes that in other supernatural films would be used for like um, horror or, you know, to get a, a jump scare where she makes it a subtle comedic moment. Um, like when she first meets, I guess it's like the landlord and she's got the mascara running and just how she sets that up. It's a really interesting scene. And at times like that brought a chuckle mm-hmm. when, yeah. while watching. But then later on, there was other moments where I was like, oh, the comedy just doesn't work as well for me. Um, I think her previous film, uh, The Year of the Carnivore, I thought, which I guess dealt with like the romantic comedy genre, if you will. I, I thought she handled the comedy elements a lot better mixing with the drama but again that's a minor gripe i still think this is a film that people should check out okay so that is sukian lee's octavio is dead it's having its world premiere at the inside out festival and uh, there's a film that you had uh, spoken about at hot dogs and it's playing this weekend oh yes um the film is called uh, yours in sisterhood and it's by irene lustig uh, it's a documentary where uh, the filmmaker basically gathered women from across 32 different states to read unpublished letters that were sent to Miss Magazine. So Miss Magazine was America's, I guess, first mainstream feminist publication. Uh, but in listening to women of today, and, and a few of them actually wrote the letter. I think she has about four uh, of the women that actually wrote the letter that didn't get published. You start to see that while Miss Magazine was very much about promoting equality and female rights, it was still very skewed in terms of the type of stories it would publish and the type of people there. You know, there wasn't much representation in terms of um, cultural, demographic, sexual orientation. It was very, and at times Miss Magazine kind of perpetuated some longstanding stereotypes while, um, you know, giving advice. But it's a really fascinating film and again seeing the women of various ages read these letters and then give their opinions on it and some have particular views that 
are shaped by their political beliefs, their religious beliefs, um, their cultural experiences. So it's interesting to see the ones that kind of agree with the letters, the ones that disagree, how little has changed in some areas and how you know much society has advanced in some areas. There's still a long way to go, but it's a really fascinating dichotomy of, of the women that they have. So it's it's definitely a documentary that I think people should see. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's fitting into a lot of um, different conversations that are happening now that need to happen now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. They, they talk about everything from um, women in the workplace to and, and that includes women in professions that would consider um, traditionally male, like you know a mechanic, what have you, to uh, ro- romantic relationships. Um, the the way that teenagers, especially teenage girls, put pressure on each other to to be a certain way. So it, it really crosses the board. There's it's it's a film that I think everyone will identify with in some way or another. Terrific. Okay. Well, that's uh, then that's our coverage for Inside Out. Those are, you know, the end of our highlights. We had some highlights last week. We've got some more this week. And uh, there's a lot of great stuff, a lot of great stuff to see at Inside Out. So, you know, if you haven't seen enough, then, you know, and if you have seen enough, keep going. InsideOut.ca has all the information. And like I said, Inside Out is continuing until um, June the 3rd. Yeah. Yep. So that's, you know, this weekend. Have fun. It'll, it's a great weekend to see, see the movies. Thanks for listening.